14. I love how that final song was talking about the name of Jesus and the power in knowing that name. Well, today we'll talk about knowing Christ as we continue to to dig deep into the book of John. And specifically, we're going to be talking about Christ being the way, the truth, and the life. Now today, as we get into John chapter 14, we'll talk about knowing Jesus. Next week, we'll be talking about loving Jesus. And the third week, we'll be talking about serving Jesus. And today, as we talk about the power of knowing somebody, I want to give you an illustration about truly knowing somebody, because I think there is a very big difference, a vast difference in knowing about another person compared to truly knowing a person. So a mutually beneficial building up and encouraging relationship. Allow me to give you a quick example. And of course, what am I going to do but give an example to of a spousal relationship? One might say they know their spouse And in saying this, we would assume it not to be some shallow relationship. It wouldn't be some shallow, superficial knowledge, but a deep knowledge, a profound knowledge, one of which comes out of mutual respect, mutual love, and encouragement. And what benefits both parties, it's a relationship with great sacrificial love, passion, and respect. And in this, there must be great time spent getting to know that person. This is not some shallow knowledge of just knowing about somebody. If it's about truly knowing that individual, I could stand here and share with you how I know my wife. I could say how I know what she likes in her coffee. I could say how I know what she likes to eat for breakfast. I could share how she, when she actually likes to eat that breakfast. There's a lot of things I could share about my wife because I have insider knowledge and I truly know her not just a few measly facts about her, but I truly know her. And some of these things just wouldn't make sense to you. For instance, I stated that I know when she likes her breakfast. She doesn't like to eat right when she gets up. In fact, there's been times where I get up, I make my breakfast, and I make her breakfast, and she says, as a reminder to me, see, I don't always remember what I claim to know. Don't you remember, honey? Thank you, but I don't like to eat right away. Or it makes her feel nauseous. You see, I could share how I know about what pains her in life and what brings her joy. I could share what she might like to do on a date. I could share what she might like to do on a road trip or a vacation and what she might not want to do. I could share, men, this might mean something to you, where she might like to go for dinner. I could share what she likes to watch on TV or not watch on TV. I could share her favorite place to sit in the house, which is generally on the front porch, even when it's humid, hot, and muggy, and it's after a storm and the windows have been shut. I can share what would mean the most to her, for her family, for her kids, for me to do in our life. I share all this to bring the point to Christ. You see, I have insider knowledge about my wife and what truly pleases her and what, tru- what she truly feels is best for me. I know not just a little bit about her, but I know a lot about her because of the time spent getting to know her. And in a similar manner, it's one thing to know about Jesus, just a few facts, a few figures, but it's a whole different thing to truly know Jesus. And to have an insider relationship with him. You see, even the demons claim to know about Christ. 
In fact, they know more than so many people of the world today, they know that Christ is the Son of God. They recognize his divinity. But it's a different thing to truly follow Jesus, to truly know him in a way which you love him and you care for him and you want to live for him. You see, it's a mutually beneficial and encouraging relationship. And this takes time to develop, but here's the thing with Christ. When you sacrifice your life for him to follow after him, the blessings immediately start to flow into your life as you're immediately started to be sanctified or made more like him. With this change, we know not just about Jesus, but we truly know him. And in knowing him, we also know the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the first big point I want to give you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. But if you're not taking notes, I want you to memorize this in your head. You see, to know Jesus is to know life. To know Jesus is to know life. And that sounds so simple, But it's also, in my mind, so profound. Because as we talk to others about Christ, this is a transitionary statement to be able to tell somebody about what does Jesus mean to you. To know Jesus is to know life. You cannot truly know life and how to live. You cannot truly know that you even are going to live beyond this life in joy and hope and in our future eternal heaven with God without knowing Jesus. To know Jesus is to know life. But you must really know Jesus. Not just a little about him, not a few measly facts and figures. You must really know Jesus. And this is what true living is really all about. But let's go deeper. You see, I truly believe that if you know Jesus, the more you truly know Jesus, the more you also know and understand the Father, the Spirit, and ultimately the kingdom of heaven. And that's what this scripture today is going to be about. We're about to read from John chapter 14. I'll have the scripture on the screen for you, some of it at least. But it's important that you open up your copies of God's word. I recently watched the movie Jesus Revolution on Netflix. I don't remember exactly how he put it, but I love how he holds up his Bible at the beginning of the message. And he says, in this is truth. In this is love, in this is hope. And like I said, I don't know those are exact words, but that is what we have in the word of God. So I hope you're digging into it. And as we get into this, you're going to see this. I hope you you gain an understanding or at least you better grasp an an understanding that if you know Jesus, you know incredible truth about salvation You have assurance in troubling times. You know more about God the Father, God the Spirit, and you have the ability to live an empowered life through all things, through all things. You see, to truly know Jesus is to truly know life. To truly know Jesus is to truly live. It's what tells us how to live. It's what brings us life. His word is truth. He is truth. Let's get into the Bible today. John chapter 14, starting at verses 1 through 5, says this. Jesus says this. Jesus himself is speaking here, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I want to stop here just briefly and say, I had a hard time this morning. I was 
hiding out in this closet for probably 10 minutes, just praying for the church, praying for all of you, praying for this message, praying for me. And then I went to my office and had more prayer because, you see, Satan loves to try and get us to dwell in troublesome thoughts. But it's in those thoughts, in those times, that we need to seek God the most. And when you're preaching on a topic like do not be troubled, you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to try to make you be troubled. And I couldn't explain why am I troubled? I know this truth. I've been studying this truth all week. But all I could claim is Satan's trying to bring me down because these are important words for all of us to remember and to see. And so I gave it to God. I gave it to Jesus. And these words... They're powerful words that we all need to recognize. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Have faith in him. And he says, my father's house has many rooms. Now, some translations use the word dwelling places. Other translations use the word mansions. Other translations use the word homes. I believe the most accurate translation is dwelling places. He's telling people, where I go in my father's place are going to be many dwelling places for all of you. But I also think that I love how one commentator stated that the word mansions helps us humans, especially American humans, to understand what this might be like just a little bit more. You see, God blesses us so vastly, so greatly, that we can imagine that this is going to be like mansions to us. It's going to be amazing. But it's not because of the streets made of gold or the pearly gates. It's because of being in the presence of God and how we were created and meant to be without sin. Now, one commentator states of this scripture today that Jesus first is saying to trust me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust me. And now as we talk about the future kingdom, the future place, the future dwelling place, it's as if Christ transitions. He first says, trust me. Now he's saying, Here's why. Here's why. Let's read on. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? To open our passage, Jesus tells the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Which begs the question, why are their hearts troubled? What is going on here? Obviously, Jesus is sensing that there are some troubling thoughts in this room. I'm totally getting away from my, my my notes today, but I want to share with you another thought, another comment that I read in one one uh, commentary this morning, because I think there's many troubling thoughts around this room also. There's many troubling thoughts, many troubling times around the world today. As one pastor said, a good title for our times would be the cardiac times, for there is much heartache. But Christ is the solution to the pain. He is the solution to the troubled hearts. We must keep in mind the attributes of our great and sovereign God and find help for our weary hearts today and forevermore, I wrote in response to that commentary statement. You see, here in this scripture, the disciples are troubled. 
Why are they troubled? It's because Jesus is just here telling them, reminding them, my time has come. I'm about to leave you. I soon will be departing your side. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. You can't go with me where I'm going. And of course, this would be extremely troubling news to his apostles, his disciples. They've been following him anywhere. They, everywhere. They've left their families behind, their jobs behind. And in some ways, not always, their pride behind. How can they even begin to think what life will be like without Christ? This very Jesus who they believed would be the Messiah, the Savior. They only had a bit of understanding. They needed a bit more. And some of this Christ is going to give them. And some of them they will see with time in the coming days. So Jesus addresses their troubling hearts, their troubled hearts. And he tells them, I am going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. But he also encourages them, he tells them, and we also can find great assurance in this, that I will come back so that you may be where I am. He also emphasizes the importance of faith in him. Just as you have had faith in God, you can have faith in me, for I am with God. I and the Father are one. We'll get more into that here briefly. But first, here's some great and important application for our life today. Starting with this, faith in Jesus and the knowledge and understanding that he brings to one's life of the Father, the Spirit, and the future place reserved for his people, people for eternity should ease troubled hearts, for in him is life, hope, and joy to be had forevermore. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm about to make this very simplified for you. And if you didn't get this whole thing wrote down and you want to, you can see me later. I'll give you a copy of my notes. But I want to break this down just one more step here with this. You see, faith in Jesus should ease troubled hearts, for in him is life, hope, and joy to be had forevermore. And let's break this down one step further because I truly believe that we all need these easy transitional statements to be able to share the love of Christ the way, the truth, and the life with everyone. You see, let's just think about that very first statement. Faith in Jesus should ease troubled hearts, period. Do you have a troubled heart today? Do you know someone who has a troubled heart? Are we all going to counter somebody this day, this week, this month who has a troubled heart? Then encourage you to encourage yourself or to encourage that other person. Find faith in Jesus. This is the solution, for in him is life, hope, and joy to be had forevermore, for in him is truth in the way, and he is life. You see, hearts need not be troubled, for Jesus was not and is not leaving forever. He is coming back. He is coming back. I want us to repeat that. I want us to just say, Jesus is coming back. Let's say that together. Jesus is coming back. We need not be troubled. Yes, we will have troubling times, but we need not give in to these things. Jesus makes it known that through him we have a greater understanding of what is coming. And as one pastor says, he stated, although they might have had reason to be troubled, they did not have to give in to the emotions of fear and despair which these troubling times could bring to their life. Yes, we live in troubling times, but we need not give in to the control of it. 
Jesus says, let not our hearts be troubled. And it's all because of our faith that we need not let our hearts be troubled, for our heart can find joy in him at all times. Quote number one, I wrote down a page of quotes. I'm like, I got to squeeze this in here somewhere. So I'm going to give you this other one. It says, well, I already gave it to you. Praise the Lord. It said, trust me. Jesus first says, trust me. Then he follows it with the confidence. Here's why you can trust me. Here's the problem. So often we think of God tells us to trust him. We need to trust him. But then we struggle to trust him because we forget all the reasons that God tells us why we can trust him. They're connected, people. They're connected. Let's get back to the scripture's context. Here, Jesus' words are for his apostles. They're troubled. The disciples are troubled. And the very purpose of these words to them is to comfort them in their time of need. To reassure him that even though he is coming, he, he will soon come to his departure, they need not be troubled for he is going to prepare a great and mighty place for him in his father's presence with him for eternity. A dwelling place. A dwelling place. Have you ever talked to a homeless man or talked to somebody that maybe is a wayward traveler? Have you ever heard them talk about how much they just yearn to have a dwelling place? Not just a temporary hotel room, not just a temporary place to reside for this week, this month, or for the coming year, but to know that they have a place where they can dwell and not, need not worry about what's around them. If you need to talk to one of those people, I encourage you to see Lee and Mona or Tim and Russ and Brenda and some of these people that serve at Hope Gospel Mission. They're doing amazing work down there to provide a dwelling place for lost individuals that just need help and to be in a dwelling place where they need not fear, they need not be troubled for the daily provisions because they will be provided for. But when we dwell with Christ, we need not fear. We need not to be troubled, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for eternity. For he is the way and the life. Let's get back to scripture. <laughs> this entire exchange leads Thomas now to understandably ask, though, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And we get another powerful point here. Jesus is the way. Don't forget this. Jesus is the way. In a world which continually tries to find the way to truth, the way to life, Jesus is the only way. And we need to remind them of this. Jesus tells his disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. These are directly Christ's words, the Son of God, the Messiah. And if we're, if we're truly looking to be saved to find repentance, to find a new way of life, to find new life, to find a restored life with God, we need to recognize Jesus is the way and the only way. And we must not just remember this ourselves, but we must teach it to others that the only way to true life and true living is to know Jesus, to truly know Jesus. Jesus is the way, the only way, not Buddha, not Gouda, not anything else, although cheese is very good. Verse 7, he says that if they really know him, then they know the Father, for they are one. And at this thought, at this 
quote, as the scripture of Philip speaks up now in verse 8 and says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And you can almost hear the frustration that Jesus is going to have with the thought. Read along in verse 9 to 11 with me or follow along. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves of which, to add to this paraphrase, of which they have seen with their own eyes and heard with their own ears. Believe these things. In this, we see another point. Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus reveals the Father. John 14, 9 to 11. You cannot deny this is the way. And the way is accomplished through the way to the cross of which Christ took for us. It's hard to imagine that Jesus, who is gentle, lowly, kind, and compassionate, could get frustrated or even angry. But it sure seems that he's at least a little baffled here by Philip's request. And Jesus replies, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Look at what is so obvious in front of you, what I've been teaching, what I've been saying, what I've been showing to you. Look at what I've been doing. And through this interaction, we even learn that the words Jesus speaks even come from the authority of the Father. He says, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. God the Father does work through Christ, and he speaks through Christ. To know Jesus is to know the Father, because through Jesus we get to hear the Father and see a glimpse of him as well. We get to see a glimpse of what he is like. We get to see how he might respond to situations of life by looking to Jesus. We get to see evidence of the connection through the work that Christ does. We get to see how he might act, how he might live, how he might minister, how he talks, all these three things through Christ. If you want to know what God the Father is like, look at Jesus. I wrote down, knowing Jesus means understanding that he is the perfect representative, representation of God on earth. And that by studying his life and teaching, we can come to know the Father more deeply. Why do you think Satan wants to take the scripture out of the, out of the schools so much, out of your hands so much, out of everywhere you go, off of court buildings or off of paved stones, off of bricks, off of zoos. Off of, he wants to take scripture out because we come to know God through the word of God. We come to know God through Jesus. So he doesn't want us speaking of Jesus, studying Jesus's life, looking to him. For Jesus reveals the Father to us, and through this revelation, we have life. We have truth. We have the way. Here's the thing. In a world where people may have misconceptions about who God is or what he desires for us, we can look to Jesus as a great and worthy guide to lead us along our steps every single day. That's why we study him. That's why we study his life, his commandments. His example of living. It's all to know Jesus and to know the Father. We know Jesus through the word. 
And we must study the word. But let's move forward here. There's something else. There's some, one last great point I want to give you. And that's this. Jesus empowers us. If you know Jesus, you know empowered living. Follow along in verses 12 to 14. It says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, this is some perplexing, confusing, interesting scripture here. But before we even talk briefly about that, I want to address something else. In this scripture alone, we have another two great points to see. And it starts with this. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. So all of you here today, and myself included, we, I hope, claim to believe in him. Are we continuing on his work? Because that's what he says we should be doing. If we claim to believe in him, we will do his work. And then secondly, he says we will be asking in his name. We will be doing his work though. And that's the careful thing to notice here. When he says you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. Well, notice the, the context, the preceding statements here. It's in regard to his work, his will, his kingdom purpose to come. I say this arguably one of the most interesting, perplexing, confusing passages. Jesus tells his disciples that they would do even greater works than him. How can this be? How is this even possible? Well, one other quote I wrote from a pastor, a commentator states, Greater here is not more sensational but more in magnitude or multitude. Jesus would leave behind a victorious working church, not a cowering one. And in that working church, in his disciples, how would they do greater things? Well, in one way, Jesus worked in a very isolated area where the disciples in Christ's church to come would take the gospel to all nations. Thousands would come to know Christ in one simple sermon by his apostle. You know, in response to how powerful a person's prayer life can be, Pastor Tony Evans said, The power of prayer is not in the words we say or the formula we follow, but in the one whom we pray to. It is God who answers the prayer, not our eloquence or our effort. And when we approach him with faith and trust, and I underline this, seeking his will and his glory... He will move on our behalf in ways that are beyond our own imagination. You see, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He is advocating to the Father. He's petitioning over the request that you speak in his name. But we must be very careful. What are we praying in his name? Is it something that's just selfish desires? Or is it something that fits into the mold of what God would desire? You see, we are all disciples of Christ. And just as Christ spoke to his disciples then, there, and claimed that they would do great things, God still desires us to do great things also. But that comes when we're serving him. That comes when we're praying in his name to do his 
will. We can intercede, we can pray, we can ask for miracles because we share a request through Jesus to an almighty God and we share in his mission, in his work and to glorify him and him alone, not ourselves. Of course, we must be watchful, we must be humble, we must be grounded, we must be rooted in Christ. But still do not deny, you have been empowered. Speak, just look alone to the grace you've received. And me as well, to the mercy. Look to our forgiveness. Look to the love that God gives us. That alone should show you how you've been empowered. But then look to see how God then leads you in a newness of life, equipped with the Holy Spirit to have strength and power and equipping beyond anything that you can imagine. Pastor John MacArthur also warns here. He says, prayer is not a means of getting what we want, but aligning our will with the will of God. When we pray according to his will, we can be confident that he will answer us. But if we pray selfishly, seeking only to fulfill our own desires, we will not receive what we ask for. You see, we have incredible kingdom-shaking power. And in one way, you could say it's to shake up this kingdom of the world. But in another way, it's to impact the world for the kingdom of God. We can know the Father through Christ. We can know the way, the truth, and the life through Christ. We can experience eternal life and be in this dwelling place of God forever because of Christ. We've been empowered to live because of Christ. To know Jesus is to know life, true life, and true living. But the question is, do we truly know Christ? Have you truly accepted him in his ways are you truly following him do you know somebody who's not that maybe god right now is telling you you need to go and talk to them and don't wait another moment to know jesus is to know life do you know this my friends it's as simple as just ask somebody that to know jesus is to know life do you know the life that jesus brings if you know jesus and you know life a full and abundant life as john 10 10 explains but let's work to conclude with this question. What are we going to do with this knowledge? What are we going to do? How are we going to live? You see, I, I, I think it's important to recognize that even the disciples of Christ had doubts. They had worries. They had struggles. They didn't know all the answers. And even the disciples of Christ lacked understanding. They needed help. Even the disciples of Christ had troubling hearts here, or they at least were beginning to be troubled. And right at that moment, Christ says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I'd be naive to think that there's not people in this very room who are troubled. Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with a wayward son or daughter or friend, whatever it may be. Maybe it's with the, the state of the world around us. I encourage you to remember that we can have faith in God and also have faith in Jesus. We need not give in to troubled hearts. We need not allow it to lead us into a state of fear and despair. For we can trust in Jesus and we can trust in what he tells us he's doing for us. Jesus is working and he is working on our behalf to bring about God's glory, his plan, and his kingdom, which all will benefit us. 
A couple more quotes I have that I wanted to read to you is, with this point is this. Number one, life today in a fallen sinful world is full of trouble. Job once said in five, chapter 5, 7 of Job, Yet man is born to trouble and surely sparks fly upward. Trial is a part of life today, but Christ always says to us in this darkness, Do not let your hearts be troubled. How might this be? Jesus says the answer is to trust in God and also trust in me. The troubled heart need only remember that Jesus Christ is his everything. He is the way, the truth, and the life forevermore. And then next, hearts today are troubled, stirred up like ingredients in a mixing bowl. But without Christ, the one truly needed ingredient, ingredient that perfect dish will never come out of that mixing bowl into the table. We need Jesus for Jesus reveals the Father to us. Jesus is the way to a redeemed life, a new life, a forgiveness of life, a forgiveness of, son, of sin. And to come through the Son leads to the Father. We truly can say with confidence that we need not be troubled. And instead, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Jesus, he is the way, the only way. Jesus, he knows the Father and they are one. And through this, we also can and should and do know the Father. Through Jesus, through knowing him, not just a little about him, but truly knowing him, knowing his work, we can do great things for we can continue his work as he wants us to. There's power in knowing Jesus. That's what we started with. We talked about the power of not just knowing a little bit about something, but truly knowing something. How much do you know your spouse? How much do you know your hobby? How much do you know the word of God? How much do you know your Jesus? So with all this in mind, I think the call today as we close is this. Rejoice and truly live. Live abundantly. Why? Because you know Jesus. But don't just hold this in. Don't just hold it in. Oh, I know Jesus. Yes, I'm good. Let it out. Share it. Share it with the world. For all people need to know Jesus. Model your life after Christ with the empowering of life that he gives. God-like living that he shows us and provides for us. And through him being the way, the truth, and the life in your life. Others might gain life forevermore also. If you really know Jesus, then you really know life and you know how to live. So let's stop living any other way. Live as Jesus lives. Rejoice and truly live for he is alive. And because of this, we can live abundantly because we know Jesus. Focus on him. Focus on the life that you have in him and rejoice and live. Let's pray and close in song. Please bow your heads with me. Jesus, knowing you is knowing life. And we thank you for we have life through you. We have the way, the truth, and the life. All because you took the way which was meant for us. You took the way to the cross. You took our cup. And Lord, because of this, our life is overflowing with hope. We need not be troubled, for we can have faith in God and also have faith in you. And you go to prepare a place, a dwelling place for us with 
you in your presence forever. We need not fear for within the promises of your word is promises that you are coming back and that you have empowered our lives to do great things when we do your work and live in your, live in your ways and for your glory. Lord, help us to know you better with each day. Help us to know your truth. Help us to know your ways. Help us to know the Father which you've revealed to us. Help us to remember your sovereignty, your power, your presence, and your knowledge, which goes beyond anything in our under, own understanding, but is an all-knowing wisdom, an all-powerful power, and an ever-present presence. Help me to live in this knowledge and to do much for you and for your glory. And it's in your holy and powerful name we all pray and stated, amen. Amen. Remember those words, amen, and let it be done. Thank you. I'll welcome Dwayne up to close us in song, How Great Thou Art.
is great. But here's the great thing with that. You know, he, doesn't, he didn't see himself to be something just in the distant, far-reaching parts of the planet for us to never even connect with. God is so great, and yet he revealed himself to each of us through Christ. Praise the Lord. We have Jesus. We have the Father. We have the Holy Spirit. We are greatly empowered to live because of this. Go, and, go forth and remember that today and share it with somebody. God bless you.